Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Expert Answers from Inside Scientific. Inside Scientific is the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Today, we're joined by Micah Michaud, Fraser Finley, and Arnd Rose. Micah is the product manager in scientific eye tracking at Sensor Motoric Instruments. Fraser is the CEO of Biopack Systems, a company known for their high quality physiology measurement tools. Arnd is a product manager in mobile eye tracking at Sensor Motoric Instruments. They are here to speak about gaze behavior measurements with physiological monitoring. Let's jump in. Our first question, regarding the three methods that were discussed for synchronizing data, is one method better than another? And if so, perhaps for what situations? And Mike, I'll ask that maybe you lead this answer. All right, so the three methods that we were discussing is either sending markers continuously throughout the presentation, then the initial clock synchronization, and we're also talking about using physiological events for synchronizing. And now, each of its methods has advantages. For instance, using physiological events, you know, you don't need to have any kind of additional hardware set up. However, it requires that you are able to detect the onset of the blink equally well in both eye tracking and EEG data. And there is a lot of risk for inducing some operator bias here. It's a possibility, but there is also a significant disadvantage. On the other hand, if we are, for instance, thinking about the clock synchronization, well, the huge advantage is that, in the, especially in the mobile scenario, that you don't have to have any kind of connection between the two recorders during the recording. So basically, this really eases up the, the setup process, and that basically is important in the mobile scenario. So Every method has their the best application. Perfect. Very good. I'll move on to our next question. In the mobile application, what is the maximum number of physiological signals that can be recorded on a subject? So, Fraser, perhaps you can uh, field this one. Yeah, the actual bionomatics logger itself has an accelerometer built into it. So you get three channels, X, Y, and Z, um, for free. And then you can combine three additional bionomatics transmitters, and each of those a dual channel. So you get a total of six additional physiological signals plus the three from the accelerometer. And then you also have an audio journal recorder in there as well for recording voice messages. So it's the total answer is nine with a six physiological plus the three from the accelerometer. Okay, great. And Arn, just anything in your case from a, the practicality of uh, instrumenting a, you know, a subject, you, maybe using the example you had in a car, are there any limits or considerations for really bringing in that many data signals? Or is the sky the limit, really? Generally, what you have to uh, uh, pay attention for is that you don't change the behavior at the task due to your measurement equipment. So that's why I pointed out how small the equipment is, uh, that you can carry it with you without having any, any, any problems. And uh, that is the same with the, with the sensors. So for example, if you glue them all around the fingers, then people have problems in, in operating the car or doing some other stuff. You should see that you don't, let's say, change the behavior of the people due to your equipment. That's the limit, I would say. Perfect. Very good. 
Okay, Daniela has asked, what is the youngest age that SMI suggests using eye tracking glasses with? So I think the, the question here is, you know, just based on the size of them, or are there even different size glasses that are optimized for subjects of different age or size? We've customers using the eye tracking glasses with children of an age starting from three, so that's that's no problem. And we're also working on getting a version of the eye tracking glasses even for younger kids and babies where it uh, fits better to even smaller heads. Excellent. Okay. A number of participants have expressed interest in functional near-infrared spectroscopy. So can the systems discussed today be integrated with FNIR? And, and Fraser, I'm going to ask that you chime in here. All right. Yeah, we offer a, a near-infrared spectroscopy system, a bunch of options. One of them is actually a wireless one as well. And you can combine the eye tracking with the FNIR data. And you can also combine physiological data with the FNIR data with the eye tracking data. Perfect. Very good. Richard has asked, is there any ability to apply the viewer region definitions to movies rather than images in the SMI software? And I know, Arne, you, you somewhat showed this in the end of your presentation, but maybe you could recap. Yes, sure. So for uh, both systems, so for the stationary system, you can use also video as a stimuli, as well as for the mobile systems, you also can use the eye tracking glasses and aggregate this onto uh, still reference images from the scene. So yes, you can choose and you can uh, work with videos either way. Okay. And I would imagine that the the areas of interest that the researcher defines in a movie, they can, can they have them stay static to the, I guess, the frame width of the movie, or can they also have those regions move with objects? This, a question kind of came in on this, and I think what the, what the audience member was trying to get at is if I want the person to, or I want to understand how the subject is following a, another moving object, like another person walking down the street, can that area of interest be mapped in a movie over time? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you can either, if you have a static element in a video, you can just leave the area of interest static. But if the element in the movie is actually moving from one part to another or disappears in the meantime, or, you know, gets in focus, gets out of focus, starts to increase in size or decrease in size, you can basically adjust the, the area of interest around that. Okay, perfect. Great, great. All right, another question. Joanna has asked, can you import fixation analysis data versus time so that you could sync physiological data with where the participant was specifically looking at that moment? That's possible. So it's not only that um, you can import the, the raw data, so the, you know, the point where you're looking at and the pupil size for every eye-tracking data sample, but you can also import fixation event data and blink event data and so on, plus also whether you are at the moment hitting an area of interest. So all of that is covered by the integration. Very good. Great. Okay, so another question. Raphael has asked, I want to know your opinion about using a head-mounted eye tracker as a physiological sensor for arousal via pupillometry. Can the SMI folks comment um, on this or, or Fraser, either one? Yeah, I would share this question between Fraser and me. So generally from the eye tracking, what you should know is that there is a lot of effects which you see on the pupil diameter. 
So the pupil diameter is also affected by sunlight, by light, or also by emotions. If you if you just simply measure the pupil diameter, you should know that, especially in the mobile environment, is that there is more than just the um, arousal which causes changes on the pupil diameter. That's why it is very beneficial to combine this with physiological data from Biopec. Very good. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. yep. that's the answer from my side as well. If, if you combine it with skin conductance response or electrodermal activity, then you get the best of both worlds. Perfect. Very good. Um, going to try to squeeze a, a couple more in here. We've had a couple questions come in about what our panelists can recommend about it, using this technology in, in cardiovascular type of studies. One specific example was given how one would evaluate barrel reflex sensitivity in human subjects. So again, I'm thinking maybe Frazier, you could comment on this. What sensors would be recommended and then how would the eye tracking potentially be used in that type of study looking at barrel reflex? Yeah, we we have a range of physiological devices, blood pressure, all the way through to impedance cardiography as well. And the software, acknowledged software, includes analysis tools specific to BRS. And the users can combine the eye tracking with the blood pressure, with the ECG, and they can perform a full analysis. Perfect. Any additional comments, uh, either Arnd or Micah, on that? No, perfect answer. Great. Absolutely. Okay, great. I guess maybe one final question then about the actual glasses from SMI. There's obviously some sort of technology or camera looking at the subject's eyes. Is there also basically a video built in to the eyeglasses that would represent what the subject is seeing? Or is that video captured on a separate device or integrated some other way? Yeah, the video you have seen today was recorded from a built-in scene camera inside the eye tracking glasses. So this is actually the eye tracking glasses consists out of three cameras running in sync, two cameras recording the eye movements, and one camera, which is a high-definition, low-light sensitive uh, camera, which records the field of view of the participant. And our software then blends in the gaze cursor, which is where our visual attention goes to. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you will tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. For the full webinar, please see the link in the description. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.